It's a beautiful day and a fine time for healing. Podcast host Randy Fine, a narcissistic abuse expert and the author of the groundbreaking book, Close Encounters of the Worst Kind, and the captivating memoir, Cliff Edge Road, invites you into her sanctuary, a place where your physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being are all that matter. So put your feet up, relax, and enjoy today's show. And now, here's Randy. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to listen to A Fine Time for Healing. I am your show host, Randy Fine, and today I have a show that is going to blow your mind. Um, And what's crazy about this story is that it happens all the time. Once a registered nurse with a happy family, today's special guest, author Marianne Petrie, Petrie, she'll tell me, found herself fending off back-to-back accusations of child abuse while losing her children to a biased family court system. This devastating experience eventually led to parental alienation. She tells her incredible story, one that unfortunately is far too common, in her book, Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough. Marianne is with us to tell her story, a critical example, revealing the truth about family court corruption. Her book is a must-read for anyone going through such legal oppression, both to validate their suffering and to provide tools with which to fight back. To quote Marianne, although my story is ultimately tragic as I lost my children to the beastly system, I can find purposeful and meaning, purpose and meaning in what I have gone through. I hope that my book will serve to indict the system, which broke figuratively and financially and damaged my family so that changes will be made to prevent such false accusations, extortion, and persecution in the future. Marianne, a former nurse, registered nurse with a happy family, is a first-hand experience leading expert on the issue of family court corruption. She is at the forefront of the movement to stop this abuse and has a website, blog, and podcast, which can be found at dismantlingfamilycourtcorruption.com. I cannot wait for you to hear what my guest has to tell you today, and um, I'm anxious to get started. Good morning, Marianne. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing fine. How do you pronounce your last name? Well, it could go either way, Petri or Petrie. <laughs> okay. All right. So I had it right both ways. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's start off by you giving us kind of an overview of what your story um, is, and and then we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of it. So... Can you tell us your story, please? Okay. Well, everything, there were red flags when we were dating, but when you're young, you don't really know what they are. You just make excuses for the person. Oh, they're nervous about this, or it's pre-wedding jitters, things like that. But then when you marry the person, probably about within 15 months or so, the Cracks started showing in the plaster, and the true colors come out. And but yet, I thought, well, you know, you make excuses, job stress, this and that. And uh, you know, we waited a number of years till we had kids, and because um, things were getting better, you know, it's like a roller coaster ride. Things get better, and then they get worse. Um, but I decided to stick it out because that's what marriage is, is making it work. And I could not get him to change his behaviors, which were verbal abuse, poor temper controls, um, explosive anger disorder. That's my <laughs> uh, diagnosis. But, but that's what I was experiencing, and I did not want my kids to pick up those behaviors. So my thought was get a divorce so they don't pick up these behaviors. 
So we co-parented very well after the divorce. We got along even better after the divorce until the third party entered the picture where I introduced him to a woman who was uh, a distant acquaintance. And uh, they talked on the phone, and about two weeks later she moved in, which was rather too quick, and I don't think that was good for the kids. Then seven months later they married. And that's not giving time for the whole family to adjust to a new individual coming into the house. That's just not... That's just not appropriate, but that's okay, whatever. But I noticed a change in my daughter about six months to a year later. She she was starting to change towards me, and it just got worse from there, and court proceedings started. How old and, was your daughter when all this started to to change? Um, okay, uh, let me see here. Probably about she's about eight to ten years old. Okay. And I notice offhand comments, like, "Why would a nine-year-old say, you know, mom, why are you using a bar of soap on your face when you should be using better creams?" <laughs> you know. How would a ten, nine-year-old, ten-year-old know this stuff? Things, comments like, um, "Mom, how come you hold the steering wheel like that?" It's, like offhanded, and, and I should have said. And then what I tell people to say is, uh, "You know, stop. Wait a minute. Why? Why would you say that to me? Where did that comment come from?" And the thing was, I wanted to take them to family counseling. And, um, however, the father decided he had to pick the counselors. And this is when kind of the attorneys kind of came into the picture because he also went to stop the child support. And I wasn't getting a whole lot. And I, because when we divorced, we, he wanted to keep things out of the court. And I said, that's fine with me. I don't want to go in there. I, I know nothing of the place. But he said he wanted to help me, and I said, that's fine. And he told me what uh, his lawyer said, which what the court system would do to him if we did go to court, which means he would have to pay me 2000 in child support per month plus the mortgage, and he, that would only leave him with $400 to live on. And I, I said, that's stupid. I said, look, keep the house. The kids will have a, a place that's familiar to them when you have them. So just keep the house. I don't want it. And I just left with what I, you know, wanted to take and found a farmhouse and remodeled it uh, pretty much myself. He did help me with the kitchen. Like I said, we were co-parenting rather well. But um, when the third party came into the picture, things changed because I, I don't remember if I realized she worked in the courthouse or not. I can't remember. But she was probably obviously giving him cues on what to do. And there was a time where I talked to her on the phone and she said, I know a lot of people in the courthouse and I'm friends with all the judges. Oh, and my I really gosh. Kinda, I blew it off. To be honest, I blew it off because I just – I, as far as I was concerned, we really weren't having any serious problems then. And then about a month and a half, maybe two months later, they show up on my doorstep. And in front of my ex, she says the same thing. And for some, I just backed up and I just slammed the door on them. Because I'm like, I don't know what that means, but that's kind of weird. And as it turned out, he started off taking me into court with an emergency petition to remove only one of the kids from my home, stating that I was mentally unstable and so was my child. And we went before the judge. Me and my parents, my parents were like 78, 80 years old, and he had two psychologists with him and his attorney, and they were absolutely vile. Luckily, the judge saw through that and she just kept everything as status quo 50-50. We've been 
for about about seven years around there. And that's the kids were used to going back and forth between the houses. And then it started off with this, again, taking away the child support. And I was trying to sell my house as I had just met my future husband. And uh, my father had to pay the mortgage payment so my credit wouldn't tank. And luckily the house sold. And um, my attorney says, well, we have to go back and try to get some of this money back. And I said, well, okay, you know, the judge only awarded me $300 a month. And because um, he was paying around 600 for, for the kids that, that we had discussed in a gentleman's handshake. So, um, you know, I just don't know how things can, you know, when, when things are going great, people should just stay out of it. When, when I married my, my husband, Brad, I told him, I said, you know, let me discipline the kids. I, I want them to like you. So, you know, all he has ever really said to my kids is, just listen to your mother. We could just listen, listen to your mother. <laughs> and he right. stayed out of it. And, uh, even, even like in the relationship with my ex, it's like it's, it's between him and myself that he and I work it out. But by the time I married Brad, things were going really bad because once I remarried, things really went downhill. And that's when the first allegation came into play because I was having problems with my then 16 going on 17-year-old. And we were having an argument, and she said, if you don't do this, I'm going to call a judge. And I was in my living room, and I, my ears pricked up, like, what? You're going to, how do you, you, what, you just call a judge? <laughs> how do you do that? Oh, wait a minute. You have a stepmother that works in the courthouse. Okay. Uh, then I was getting kind of nervous. And then um, we had another disagreement because she wanted boys up in her room for two and a half hours, and that was not going to happen. Then... Um, she had lied to me about a singing engagement. And um, I said, since you're going to lie to me, you know, you're going to school. You're not going to the singing engagement. And the week before, you just told me your singing career is not important to you and school is. And I was shocked she even said that to me because singing was so important to her. So I took her to school not thinking I would ever see her again. So I went, in the meantime, I got home, and this is how fast it it went. I got, as soon as I got home, around, it was around noon, CPS called, and we need to, I want to come over, this caseworker wanted to come over and talk. I'm thinking, okay, but I said, I got to pick up my kids from school. And I was thinking I was going to pick up my daughter, and she was nowhere to be found. So I went and picked up the other ones, and my parents were there as well when I got there. And then um, this caseworker came through the door, and the first thing she said was, if you're indicated on these emotional abuse charges on her, you will lose your job as a registered nurse. And I said, well, I'm not, I've never, I'm not emotionally abusive. I'm not, I was never that way and brought up that way. I was always, you know, a kind person. I don't know where this was coming from. And my parents took my kids, other kids to the park to play so we could talk. And luckily my husband was laid off at the time and he was sitting in the one chair and she and I were sitting on the couch and she started off screaming at me. Do you know where your daughter is? Do you know where your daughter is? And I'm like, wait, I, I like, I, I had it all figured out. But by, by the time I got home, I had it figured out that she's probably with her father. I said, wait, wait, let me text him and find out where she's at. She said, you go do that. And you text him. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> my husband and I were just staring at her like she was from outer space. So I texted him and 
all he said was, she's with me. And I thought, wow, that was kind of good to know. I mean, he could have let me know all this was happening. And so then she said, well, there, now you know. And she continued to berate and yell at me for about two and a half hours. But luckily, my, my parents came home with the, with the other kids because we were all going to have dinner together. And, you know, my mother said, you know, we're all nice here, you know. I mean, you know, we don't abuse anybody here. And she goes, okay, that's fine. And she just left, left. She did not even interview my parents. It was all a one-sided interview coming from the, the ex-husband. And I thought that was kind of strange as I read the paperwork later. <laughs> so um, as it turned out, uh, I had to tell my boss this because um, – you know, I told her what happened. I said, I don't know what, if I'm indicated or not. I didn't know what was going on until um, I was sitting at work. Here I am at work as an ER nurse with four critical patients. I, I get a phone call put through by the secretary, and the caseworker's screaming at me on the phone. And, she say, and I said, well, what's going on? And she says, when you're indicated, you'll hear it from me, and you'll hear it from me first. And I slammed down the phone because I was like, holy cow, I've never been talked to like this at all. And let me get back to my very sick patients that I've got to pay attention to doctor's orders and putting medications in and getting everybody their IV. Um, So as it turned out, she said it would take nine months for an investigation to be complete. She had it done within a couple of weeks. In fact, it was kind of – I guess a comedy of errors as it, as it just kept going on was, I mean, I had been seeing a counselor for job stress and dealing with the ex and now all these other problems. And I had been seeing a counselor for years off and on anyway with this job stress and life in general. Who doesn't? So my counselor called me up and she says, uh, you're not going to believe this. This caseworker wants to come in and tell you you're going to be indicated. So I said, okay, what day? And so we all went in with my husband and my sister-in-law, Joy. And we all sat down, and I pulled out my phone, and I said, I'm going to tape record this, and everyone's going to be aware. And I rattled off everybody's names who were sitting there in this meeting. And it started off with Joy screaming at the caseworker. My sister-in-law went off on her because she never got interviewed. She did not interview our side of the family whatsoever. And my sister-in-law had called her and said, you know, um, well, she left a message on her answering machine, can we talk? But don't call me at work, call me at a certain time. So what does the caseworker do? She calls her when she's at work when she can't talk. And then when Joy tried to call her back, no answer. And so... Joy let her have it. And then the caseworker, after that, I let her have it. And my husband was just staring at her and wondering, I think he said something like, why, why weren't we completely interviewed? I mean, she even had his job title wrong in the paperwork. And it was just absolutely weird. She stood up and she said to my counselor, she was leaving, she opened the door and she said, well, you've been indicated for emotional child abuse. And, and she looked at my counselor and said, that woman lives better than I do. And she walked briskly down the hall. And I said, you have a Merry Christmas now. And I heard her pick up her pace, and she ran out the door and slammed the door. And so I had to go tell my boss, okay, I'm indicated with emotional child abuse. And so they said, well, we have to suspend you because you can't work with children. And that means any job. That means you can't work at Walmart. You can't work at a fabric store. You can't work at a grocery store. You are lumped in with any, all types of child abusers, if you know what I mean. Um, and I was like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do with, with income. So I tried to get unemployment, but they would not give me unemployment based on the indications that were frivolous and false. And I had to fight that 
by going through an adjudication with a child services judge. And thankfully, he knew what was going on. And when he interviewed my daughter and he said, none of the pieces are fitting together. This is just not making sense. And then he interviewed me last. And what was odd was the uh, opposing counsel for the caseworkers had said, um, okay, uh, since I was being yelled at, not only on that day, and I explained to the judge, she had come back two days later to scream at me some more for two and a half hours. And I said, I didn't know that was going to happen. And he said, in a compassionate tone, why didn't you ask her to leave? Now, that is not in transcript, but I said I cooperated with, now that this is in transcript, I said I cooperated because I was worried she would take my kids away, which she had no problem doing because a couple months prior, the ex had filed an emergency petition to have the kids removed. Now, it went to the higher-up judge, and he said, well, this is all based on conjecture. Okay, if, these, if she was such a danger to her kids, why weren't they removed on the spot? Why are we doing this a couple months later? Why are we doing this now? Okay, well, I'd, you know, I'm, I'm going to recuse myself because I vaguely know her, which was me. I'm here going, oh, come on. I'm thinking to myself, you're just like Pontius Pilate. I, I don't even really know you. And all he had to do, if he was smart, was put the burden back on the caseworker and say, okay, this is something, something weird and fishy is going on here. Suddenly you want to remove these kids. It's been, it's been three months. So you know what? It's, I'm going to keep it status quo because apparently, you know, the daughter can, is old enough to decide where she wants to live. If she wants to live with dad, fine. The other ones can go back and forth between the houses and keep it as it is. That's all he had to do. But no, he passes us on to a family court judge. (laughs) And there it went downhill from there. And what had happened was um, it just, it was a three-ring circus. I don't know, I really don't know about this judge. Uh, There's a lot I could say. But he was very rude. He was very, um, he treated you very demeaningly. And um, he, uh, I don't, it, it's just, it was such a mess. It was a three-ring circus. One minute he would be talking about child custody, which is what he probably should have been doing. But then um, a subject came up where there was a pension involved. And it wasn't a big pension. Believe me, it was not anything to write home about. It was around like two grandish. Nothing to write home about. But um, he denied that, that I should get that. However, it was put through superior court and I had won it. I had won that case. And, but the ex just never paid it. He just never paid what he should have uh, owed me. So what the judge ruled was um, once that caseworker got on the stand, um, she said she recommended that the children be removed because what they were going through was so horrible. And there's just so much to this. I'm sorry if I'm going out of order. I'm trying, I'm trying to stay in order. Um, but she lied on the stand. She, she said that, that uh, she was promoted. He asked what her job title was, and I, I don't remember what it was, but she had some desk job. And she said she was promoted when, in fact, she was really demoted, but she probably didn't want to admit that. What I had done was, when all this had happened, lost my job, I contacted the governor, and I let them know what was happening. And then they had contacted the agency, and um, what they said was that no caseworker should be calling any parent mentally unstable unless they have a psychology degree or a PhD. And that came from the head of the caseworkers telling me this because I was keeping in close contact with him through my case. But the judge really didn't care. He did not even care when I was exonerated of the first emotional abuse indications. 
And uh, he was still calling me a, an emotional child abuser. I'm thinking, why is he doing this? I even had a, psychi- a psychology eval, and even the psychologist came, which was wonderful because he completely shut down the opposition. He shut him down. It was amazing. And then he left, and the judge really, um, it didn't really carry any weight with the judge. And, I mean, like, my attorneys were happy. They thought, this is going to end it. It didn't end it. And um, when the judge ruled that full custody would go to the father, he, um, he had brought an entourage, um, you know, his wife and her family members, and he even brought his parents. They all stood up whooping, clapping, and cheering that these kids were being taken away. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, it's, it's Wednesday. Um, I'm supposed to pick them up from school. What are they going to think? What, what would be going through these kids' minds? Where's mom? I'm thinking to myself, what are these kids going to do? So the judge did not even slam his gavel down. He just let them carry on and laugh and whoop and clap. And I'm thinking, boy, you guys lied really good. Uh, in fact, you know, even, I hate to say it, but during the, the court proceedings, not to go backwards in time, but not too far in time, um, he interviewed my, my, my oldest, who highly recommended my other children be taken away from me. And uh, my attorney came out and she said, she lied, she lied to the judge. She lied to the judge <clears throat> like a number of times. <laughs> and when the judge came out, he said, I talked to the daughter and she's a very highly mature young lady. And um, I'm, I'm thinking, no, she's got an ax to grind, buddy. <laughs> you know, I don't know where he was getting this. And, um you know, so I, I, as I, as my attorney and I, we were walking down the hall. We saw his wife crying to her family members, and my attorney said, "What is she crying about?" I said, "I don't know. They're making me get the psychological evaluation. I think she needs one. She goes one minute from happy and clapping and cheering to weeping desperately in the hallway." <laughs> I'm like, what the oh my heck? gosh. I know, uh, and you're you're looking at this. You're like, none of this makes any sense. <laughs> you know, where do I? <laughs> what is going on here? Oh my right. gosh! Right. Uh, it's like there's probably it's probably better to I hate to say it's probably better to read the book than to listen to me because I'm like right. I, I went right. in chronological order with this book, and right. I'm just. Um, but you ended so up. But they to, ended up awarding him child support from you, which you couldn't pay because they you had lost your job based on this allegation. And then when you right. couldn't pay right. it, they put you in debtor's prison. <laughs> right. Oh, that, that, that was the even crazier part because I was exonerated of the one charge, so I immediately called work and I said, I can come back to work. And they said, great, okay, we'll get you on next week's schedule. Well, little did I know, four days later, I get a call from another caseworker. I pick up the phone, who is just very abrasive, kind of raising her voice at me, telling me I'm indicated for emotional abuse on the, the second child. And I said, what are the charges? Well, you won't let him ride his bike around the block, and you took away his Xbox. I said, you know what? You go call my lawyer. And I hung up on her. And then... A couple weeks, a week went by, and then she called back, and she, her demeanor was completely different. She was nice and and charming on the phone while telling me I'm indicated of these emotional abuse charges. <laughs> I'm going, you are, you people are nuts. So I had to call work again and tell them, um, yeah, I can't come back. I, you know, I'm I'm a, I'm indicated again. So what had happened was, and how this played out was. All hospitals had to have their child abuse clearances in by a certain date. And my next adjudication hearing with the, with the child services judge wasn't until a week after that. 
And so I was then involuntarily terminated. Now, judges don't care about this because as, now, as soon as he got awarded full custody, uh, as soon as he got that order in his hand, he ran down to domestic relations to file child support on me. And I had no idea what this was because bear in mind, he and I had co-parented and we agreed on a figure and he you know, nicely paid me, which was nice of him at the time because we were co-parenting well. So I knew nothing of this weird paperwork that was coming in. So I called domestic relations and the girl, she, she laughed. She actually laughed. And she said, as soon as he got that judge's order, it was the same day it came in the mail. He came down here and filed child support on you. I said, oh, okay, so what do I do? What, what happened? <laughs> like, I was so naive. And I said, well, I don't have any money because I'm not allowed to work. I'm not allowed to work. And even my attorneys didn't grasp this, which was very scary. We went into a support conference, and she's saying, well, you know, she can work as a home health aide or nurse or something like that. It's like, no, I can't because, you know, they, they didn't even – they did not even understand that if you're working as a home health aide and say someone comes to visit and brings little kids over, you can't be around those kids. So you cannot work. Um, And I tried telling this to them. They were not getting it. No one was getting it, not even the, the child support judge. And what people don't understand is you've got a child custody judge and then you've got the nasty child support judge. And I went through, I don't know how many de novo hearings, and de novo means new beginning in Latin, and I think it's a new beginning of hell. <laughs> and, <laughs> and she was absolutely horrible and very berating, nasty as well, very curt. And I remember one nurse I worked with said, you know, be careful with her because People don't know if she's a man or a woman. I'm going, what? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Are you serious? And they said, it depends on the color of lipstick she's wearing. I'm going, okay, well, peach isn't working for me, okay? <laughs> so um, eventually what had turned out was she had deliberately inflated my child support arrears from, at that time I was like 11000 She put it up to 15000 Just She just just deliberately inflated them. And on top of expecting close to $1,000 in child support a month, and I'm trying to tell them, no, I, I, I can't work. And when I went through the second adjudication, that went much quicker, and the judge exonerated me again. But then we went into a new year. And the hospital would not hire me back. No hospitals were hiring at that time. So my friend got me into a menial um, labor job, and I was a fabric cutter. And um, I, they were garnishing my wages 65%. And I called corporate. And I said, how come you're garnishing my wages? How come? Because you know, you're only allowed to work. We were only allowed to work like uh, maybe 10 hours a week. And you were called off if – the cash registers did not make the money. But anyway, they said, well, we're taking that much out because you are in the arrears. I said, well, okay, I made, okay, I made $100, we'll say $115. How come I'm only bringing home $40? <laughs> and I'm trying to help my husband because now, see, we're missing this income. He had to work out of state to pull in more money to make up for my lost income. So this is very hard on him as well. Right. And so right. what had happened was uh, the judge was the, the child custody judge ordered visitation, which the father simply wouldn't follow. He was in contempt three times. We went, you know, the judge ordered it, and then um, we, we did an emergency petition for visitation, and that judge was mad. He was mad. He said, I want these kids the mother to see the kids on these days, and here's the hour. And um, he was excellent. <laughs> but the father just did not abide by those because his attorney was telling him not mm-hmm. to. 
right. essentially. And so we had to go back into court again. So this is what they do is it's they drag out these court cases. We right, and I want to talk. To I want to talk about what the court's motive is here because that's really important that we get to that. So um, okay, yeah. So 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 you end up. They end up locking you up because you can't pay. And then oh, yeah. you're in. Then you're in prison without meds. They keep you alive, right? They deprive right. you of your meds. Right. So you nearly die in prison, <sighs> right? Right, because I, I was also experiencing chest pain, and they didn't care about that either. Right, and then they extorted your family, who couldn't really pay, but they had to get you out because you were going to die. So there's all this right. extortion going on, and it, you know, I've talked about parental alienation many times on my show, in my book, um, in articles that I write and everything like that, and absolutely how horrendous horrendous this is, who's really suffering are the children, right? The children are suffering. Right. I mean, I mean, by taking away the positive influence in their life, the children are ruined forever. Oh, totally. Right, right because right. I, before, like, the um, support contempt hearing, I wrote to the ex-husband and I said, please call off the dogs, essentially. Shut down the case. This isn't going to be good for the kids if I go to prison. It's not going to be good for them. I would not do this to you. I have it in an email. And no response. In fact, when the support content conference was, he actually unannounced ran up to the judge and said, Your Honor, she's been defiant in paying her child support, blah, blah, blah. And I'm here thinking, I can't physically even pay it, and none of this should be happening to begin with. But what these courts are doing is getting a parent to be a non-custodial parent and then forcing them to pay child support. And then you have these judges that just deliberately inflate child support orders that the parent cannot physically or financially fulfill. And then they're running to court every five minutes. And, I mean, I, I didn't lose my manual labor or menial labor job over that but um i could have they could have gotten sick of that and said you know goodbye you're calling off too much because of court but that did not happen um when i was in prison i luckily did get out but um it was my weekend the the judge eventually let me see the kids every other weekend and um and that was even though I was still indicated with that second emotional abuse charge. And my attorney said, do you realize this is a miracle? Because I've never seen a judge, even though you're under indication for emotional child abuse, have you get to see those kids every other weekend with no supervision. Doesn't make and sense. I said, okay, yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's great. But um, the other side, when they heard that, they flipped out screaming their heads off. They were horrible they were it's like um let's let them leave first and we'll leave the courthouse safely um but what i had found out going back to the prison thing when i picked up my kids um because my 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 80 year old father had to pay a purge amount of 2000 a purge amount is what the judge orders you to pay to keep you out of prison and so um when i went to pick up my kids, I saw that, gee, the deck got fixed up and they did some nice outside work on the house. Okay. So I looked at my my second child and I said, gee, where's your braces? I see the deck got fixed up, but where's your braces? Is that where grandpa's money went? And he kind of looked at me because he was about 15, 16 at the time. And we got home, we got to my house and he told me that him and his father had an altercation when he found out I was in prison. Now, I don't know how these kids find out at school that a parent is in prison, but the kids found out pretty quick at school that I was incarcerated and they were making fun of my kids while um, knowing I was incarcerated. I don't know how they knew. But um, 
my son said that uh, he whipped his cell phone at his father. The father whipped a, a, water, a full water bottle at him, hit him in the arm, and took him by the back of the neck. And I, I said, you know, um, you've got to report that to the school counselors because uh, I can't do it. They won't listen to me. Because when you have one parent calling in, you know, to child services, all this crap, well, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. But um, they're not going to take the other parent seriously because they're they're going to say it's all right. you know back right. and forth. Right. So you know we have we have, we have about 20 minutes left, and I want to make sure that we get to the core of what all this is about because I think it's really important that we um, that you um, help us understand what all this is about, what what this mechanism is that's causing this legal abuse to, you know, the innocent party. So, and I know five months later you had a heart attack and uh, there was, it was just one thing after another. You went through living hell. You went through hell. So what it, what is going on with the court system? What is this, what's, what's this undertow? What are they trying to do? Well, they're trying to get, as many parents as they can to pay child support, which feeds the the state incentive Title Four D. Now, Title Four B is your CPS. Okay, so they get incentives too for every child they take from a family, and it's like I think it's it's um, oh I can't remember the figures three out of five dollars or something they that that goes into some till. But what it actually does is it allegedly helps pay parking fines or things like library fees, whatever, but it also goes back into the judge's pockets. And I don't think the taxpayer realizes that as well. It it disturbs the Social Security um, of, of the taxpayers. So when you pay your child support, there's money going into Title 4D. And where does it all go? This is what we, I mean, I would like to know where did it go? Part of it went to pay off the, you know, the ex who wants their money. And then the other part goes into the state incentives. And then you have Title Four e that's your foster care issues. And all of that is out of control. And what they need to do is defund all these titles for Title for B, D, and E, get rid of them. And they also need to abolish Child Protective Services. They need to go. They're a day late, a dollar short. They're chasing after 70% of false allegations on parents, wasting their time when they could be saving some child that's being hung upside down in a closet being tortured. Those are the kids that are slipping through the cracks. They're not even doing their job. And the the crux of the matter is it's a money-making issue, a money-making system, and that's what the family court system does to people. And there was a film called Erasing Family where they followed the Sweden model. And in Sweden, when you get divorced, you sit down with your ex and you make out a list of what things you'll share and you'll share the kids equally. Now, that's great. That's, you know, that's, that will work out great. Both of you are normal mentally. <laughs> and Sweden is saying that they, it's not that they don't have litigation. They do have litigation issues. But for the most part, it's very low because a lot of people stay out of court by making up their own uh, um, settlements. Arrangements, right. They agree. I mean, uh, they're in agreements. Right, and they they even interviewed the kids, and the kids said, well, you know, it's hard going back and forth between the houses, but we're happy because we get to see both parents. Right. Remember that line in there. And, right. And that's what parents should be doing is not feeding into the, the, the court system, and they should work things out together. But when you have someone who is not uh, workable with, you know, like a narcissist, it's going to be rough. But they keep they keep these court cases going. This is very bad. Yes, they do. They do. Um, 
it's very unbalanced, and they file they file motion after motion to try right. to um, break the other person financially, so they can't fight anymore. There's so much corruption in the court system, and um, family court judges have no training in child psychology whatsoever. None. They come from wherever. They pull them from wherever. Um, so they have no idea what they're doing. This and is. I, I can't believe that. Yeah, yeah they, they don't even know when someone's lying to them. I just. Right. I'm, I'm aghast right. when. When I saw my ex crying on the stand, you know, crocodile tears, I'm going, are you kidding me? Wow. And you're buying this? Mm-hmm. Right. I know. When you're dealing with a personality disordered individual like a narcissist, <clears throat> you have no shot against them. No. Unless you understand all of this before going into it. And that's why this is so important, Marion, because we need to tell people, they need to understand this before they go in um, so that they have some way of dealing with this. But the thing is you can't mediate with a narcissist. They will give you no. everything you want except one thing and then hold out for that one thing. So you'll never come to an agreement. And they do alienate the children, and the children are turned against the par- other parent. They hate the other mm-hmm. parent. Um, and you lose your children, and for what? Because the system doesn't work. Right. It doesn't work. No, it does not. In fact, even my oldest, I really, I have no relationship with her at all. It's, you know, been a number of, I think, six or seven years now. And now the the uh, second one, he's turned against me. Uh, and because when the judge places them with the narcissist, they begin alienating and brainwashing this, these kids against you and actually erasing memories that their childhood memories that you had given them, happy memories, are gone. They're just completely gone. These kids don't remember anything. They just are filled with uh, all these bad memories that didn't even exist on this parent that, that never did anything to them. Yes. So there's no there's no love for the children. This isn't because the the personality disordered individual wants those children. They just want to hurt the ex. That's all. Right. This is all retaliation. Right. right. So what do you, Marianne? Yeah. What do you recommend for people who are beginning the divorce process? They haven't gone. They haven't left their spouse yet. They have children. What could you have done different, if anything? Well, you know, we were we were doing the Sweden model. I mean, we were doing well. I guess I guess what I would tell people is, if you're once you announce you're going through a divorce, let's follow Sweden's model. And when you remarry, you've got to make it clear to that spouse to stay out of the, the, the family setup here that we have. You may, that, that spouse may disagree and say, well, you're giving her too much time or you're giving him too much time. If it works for the kids, leave it alone. Don't interfere. Just stay out of it. And maybe it will go a lot smoother and you won't end up in court because that's where you're going to waste all your money. And you're wasting money on all, on these attorneys that go to Disneyland six times a year. Think about that. Mm-hmm. Oh, they make a fortune. So, oh my gosh. Oh yeah. I know so someone. I, I know someone. Actually, oh. you know this person too. But he spent over a million dollars fighting the courts over the years. Over a million dollars, and that's in addition to taking all the money he had when she left them. So sometimes it's not even about the fact that you're remarrying or have a new spouse. It's just retaliation. It's just because narcissists, when you leave them, there's a smear campaign and they hate you forever. It's just the way it is. And what's really unusual to me is that you were able to work it out initially. That really shocked me. Yeah, Um, me too. (laughs) Yeah. Me too. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So, and, it's, 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 and it's, I don't understand why, you know, um, she had so much control over him to turn this into such a big mess when it didn't have I to don't be. Know. I don't know. Well, obviously she had some kind of um, personality disorder as well, and she was the right. control factor in that marriage. So what can right. we do, Marianne? How do we, I, you know, I know I'm involved with so many different organizations that are trying to fight this and have been trying to fight this for years, 10 years, 15 years. What can we do? How can we help? What can we do? Well, are our hands tied? Uh, well, see, the thing is, of course, when you go into family court, you're behind closed doors. There is no jury. So my thought was, why not put video cameras in every courtroom along with tamper-proof mics? This will hold the judges accountable. So if there is bias and collusion, as, I, as there was in my book, between the attorney and the judge, um, this would help stop that. On top of a panel of two to three individuals going over each of the judge's cases and rulings and monitoring the judge to make sure he's doing his job and not tearing families apart that that it just doesn't need to happen. And, I and how do we get only, this to happen? How do we get this to happen? We have got to write to legislators, senators, Congress people. Uh, we have got to do a lot of letter writing. I can't do it by myself. Uh, I, someone someone wrote to me on Facebook and told me to step up to the plate. Well, I already have, and I'm trying to get this word out. But I, I you know, I know it's hard to sit down and write a, a letter. But write to your governor, your senator, your legislator, your representative, Congress people, even the president. We need, actually, would be nice just to somehow get rid of family court and handle this through force mediation, maybe. I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. Force mediation, right. whether, whether the narcissist likes it or not. Okay, because when, when someone is calling out a false allegation, they should be forced to give their name. So we know who's calling in these allegations, and, oh, Johnny's back at it again, or there's Harriet calling in another allegation, and let's not waste our time with this. Why not get rid of family court entirely and do forced mediation? I can't believe I'm saying this, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, it would, it I mean, save it, a lot of money. Yeah, it would, but you know, but if if there if this is about money making, if this is about judges making money and all these organizations, all these government funded um, organizations making money, then there's there's a lobby, there's a huge lobby that's going to fight that, and it's it's very difficult, mm-hmm. um, but it has to happen. There are, you know, right. not only are the children being destroyed, the parents are committing suicide over this. They lose their children right. for absolutely no reason. Uh, their children turn, they, they, they hate that parent. They spew yeah. venom at that parent. And it is, I can't even imagine what that must feel like, Marianne. And I'm so sorry <sighs> that this has happened to you. I, I really can't even put that into words the way I feel uh, um, you know and I I have a lot of clients who are going through this and it is it, it, the most yeah. tragic thing ever I think I think when, what, what I would like to see also in the school system is a, like a psychology class to talk about personality disorders you know because you know, when you go out in life, you could have a boss that's a narcissist that's putting you through hell, okay? There, there's many times in your life you're going to run across people that you may not be married to, but they could be crazy too. Mm-hmm. And it would be good to learn this stuff like in the 10th grade and at the senior class level so they don't forget. Yes. Here are, here are in- the warning signs to a narcissist. Right. And the other thing is that, um, you know, that I I would like to see is that children are taught from a very young age, first of all, self-love and self-esteem, but the other thing is self-validation and to trust their intuition and really drive home that don't believe what you hear. That's not always the Mm -hmm. truth. 
that you use your judgment if something doesn't feel right it isn't right and there's so there's actually some very good curriculums that are being written right now to be put in the school mm-hmm. system it's a slow process but if we can right. educate children from the, a very young age to perk up their ears when something doesn't feel right or sound right um so i agree with you there has to be education mm-hmm. Right, and also like uh, with you know teaching them that, and and they could tell them also that it's okay to love both parents, no yes. matter what happens at home. You can love both parents. Yes. And yes. and and kids also have to understand that you know when a parent is disciplining you, and no, you can't have uh, boys up in your room. That's how it is. You know, that's how it is. I know, I know. But there's such a there's a such a psychological um, pull that the narcissist has on these children because children they know the good parent loves them, but they don't know that the other parent does, and so they're much more vulnerable to that manipulation mm-hmm. because they want that love. So they, right. they'll throw away what they know they have, seeking what they can't really get um i mean that's right. a very simplified explanation but there's so much that goes on with these kids that their heads are absolutely turned around they they absolutely cannot see what's happening and um no, that's why it's so important to do these kind of shows and wake people up to this wake people up i you know right. i am so grateful um that you wrote this book and that we were able to connect so that you can share it. But the book is called Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough. Um, Marianne, um, do you have a website? And um, where do we purchase this wonderful book? Okay, I have a website called dismantlingfamilycourtcorruption.com. I have blogs on there, things that will will be helpful to people, to blogs that I've written, blogs that I've you know, podcasts I've been on. Uh, you can find the book on Amazon, Kindle, Apple, Smashwords, and Barnes and Noble. Okay. All right. And I do want my listeners to read this book. You know, when I, I was so appalled, I was so angry and frustrated when I finished this book, and I did read the whole book. Um, that I, I didn't know what to do with myself. I had to go meditate to like calm myself down. I'm so down. sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. It's okay because you need to light the fire under people. You need people right. to get this. You know, I get it because um, I'm in the middle of it with people, but um, people need to get it. And so it was impactful is what I'm trying to say. Right. It's very impactful and I want, that people I, understand. Yeah, I mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted it to be like a self-help manual for people because I cited psychologists in there and, um, you know, and their views, like Dr. Childress, Karen Woodall, yes. Ed Cook. I wanted to make sure that people had other resources uh, and not just my sad story, but other views on parental alienation right. and personality And you disorders. absolutely do. You do cite that. You do quote these experts on, um, you know, and I we, I couldn't possibly get to all that. I have it highlighted, but I couldn't possibly get to it all in an hour. This is too much. But um, we are out of time. I just want to thank you so much for sharing your story and, um, you know, and bringing this to our attention. Well, thank uh, you for you know, having me on. I totally appreciate it. Yeah, it's it's great. Um so, Marianne, I, I hope we can keep in touch. And, I'll, you know, I'll let you know if there's anything, any changes that I find. And please let me know if there's any changes that you find, okay? So uh, that we can and start I'll, I'll helping. I'll let you know. Yeah, okay. and I'll let uh, you know about right. the movie and how it goes. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, there's going to be a movie about this. So we'll keep you posted. And Marianne will come back when that's all happening. Okay. Have a wonderful Thank day. Thanks again. You too. Thank Appreciate you so it. much. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. So we are out of time today, but if you have any comments or questions about today's show, you can email me at loveyourlife at randyfine.com. May joy and serenity always be yours. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Visit randyfine.com, R-A-N-D-I-F-I-N-E.com, and be sure to sign up to receive updates on the latest blog posts, events, and upcoming shows. Thank you for listening.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.